Hello? Hi, it's Robert. Do you want to be on the show? Never call me again. Hello, welcome. My name is Robert, and this is Never Call Me Again. Hi, Robert. Hi, Valerie. How are you? I'm doing fine. How are you today? I'm great. How was your holiday? It was very, very nice. It was different, you know, because of the coronavirus, and um, our plans had changed a bit of what we had hoped would happen over Christmas, but it was very nice. It was quiet and peaceful and just a lot of time to reflect on, you know, what's important. And um, we didn't have any bad weather, so that was really nice, too. Yeah. How was your holidays? It was pretty good. We, um, you know, we, you know, obviously we stayed at home and and just spent time with each other. And, um, you know, the weather here was was not bad as, you know, either. It was it was a little cool, but... um, you know, no snow, nothing like that. We, I think we got snow New Year's, New Year's Eve, maybe. Wow. You know, I, I work as an in-home caregiver, and yesterday I was at my client's house, and I had to really ask myself, this is January, because I actually saw a dandelion out in their front yard. <laughs> wow. I was like, okay, this is more like a summer flower, but this is January, we've seen trees budding already, so it's like, you know, everything is kind of thrown off with the milder temperatures we've been having. It, it's been pleasant here. Yeah. I, I'm not a fan of the, the cold weather or the snow. It, it's nice to look at, but um, I, I don't want to participate in it. I hear you. That's how I feel, too. If I was maybe in some lodge or cabin where I didn't have to go anywhere and there was a roaring fire in the fireplace, it would be different, but not now. (laughs) Not with having to go to work and having other responsibilities. I'll be happy, you know, to have no more bad weather. I absolutely agree. And I don't get out very much, but when I do, it it helps to, to have everything clear. And so that's really nice. And so, yeah. How how is Eric? He's doing really well. He um he turned twenty two in October and he actually just had a new job opportunity come his way that he started um it was right before Christmas and God has been really good to him. It's amazing to um to see, you know, when God really wants something to happen, it's gonna happen and um you know, he's just, he's been very faithful in all of our lives and especially in Eric's life. And so there's a, there's a backstory to Eric. Yes. Yes, there is. Um, it all started, well, there's been different things in Eric's life that I can see where God has protected him from things. But the, the biggest thing is what happened when he was five years old. Um, He had taken a horrible fall down my mom's basement steps, and to make a very long story short, he had um, spent the night at her house on a Saturday night, and I had called that Sunday morning. I was going to come over and pick him up, and they live about 10 minutes away from us, and when I called, you know, everything was fine, and 
Um, I was going to just come on over and pick him up. Well, you know, I headed over there and still thinking everything was fine until I got there. And this was in February. I looked it up. It was actually February 8th of 2004. And uh, when I got there, my mom and my stepdad greeted me at the door. And my mom was holding Eric. He was only five at the time. And um, she had, they were both really hysterical, but she was trying to explain to me that right after her and I had gotten off the phone, she basically said as uh, we hung up the phone, she heard a thud and he had fallen down her basement steps. And um, that's when everything changed real quick. And by the time I had gotten there, um, even though she told me at first, you know, she found him lying on the floor. He was in the fetal position. Um, and he had not fallen forward. He had fallen to the side off, the, off her steps. She had a handrail, but there was still a large enough gap where he was able to fall. And we don't even know what prompted him to go down the steps, but he was crying, she said, and um, she picked him up. And the only thing that you could see on him visibly was an abrasion. It was around the temple area on the left side of his head. And um, she said, you know, that he, he was upset, of course, and crying, but she was able to get him up. He went upstairs and he told her that he had to use the bathroom. And as he was going to the bathroom, my stepdad, the bathroom door had been open, and my stepdad walked by, and he asked my stepdad, who are you? And my mom is a retired nurse, and my mom said she knew at that moment that something was not right, um, that something was going on inside his brain, and um you know, when I got there, like I said, all this had just happened. They were trying to explain all this to me. The paramedics hadn't even been called yet. And I remember my mom holding Eric. And Eric had taken his hand, and he had reached up, and he stroked my hair. And he didn't even say anything to me, but you could see it was like the lights were on, but nobody was home. I'm sorry for getting emotional. But, um. That was just a turning point that we really knew that something was really bad, something had really gone wrong. Did he? So, so did the did the the head abrasion in the fall? Did that did that maybe did it induce some type of like temporary amnesia or something? He didn't notice or didn't recognize people or. I really, I really don't know for sure what that had caused. Um, the next chain of events happened pretty quickly because we called 911 and it seemed like it took a long time for them to get there, but it really didn't. I mean, they were there within a few minutes. And I remember being in the living room with my mom. We had laid Eric down on my mom's couch. So it was my mom, my stepdad, and myself. And Eric started seizing. Well, I have an older son, Tyler, who, um, had a seizure disorder that God has healed him from too, but um, we didn't know if maybe Eric had had a seizure. We didn't even know what had brought on this fall. So the paramedics, they asked just a whole um, lot of questions, 
and we just could only explain to them what we knew. So we we don't know, you know, what caused him not to know who we were, what was going on. When I asked Eric about it, even at this time, he basically knows the only thing that he remembers, I should say, from the actual fall is he remembers hearing the sirens of the uh, first responders. He remembers hearing that. But I think that's part of God's mercy and grace. He doesn't remember any of the other um, things that happened during his fall. He doesn't even remember falling. Um, So I think that is, you know, part of God's mercy and grace when things like that happen to anybody. You know, that um, when we don't remember things like that, that that is really him protecting us from things. So, like I said, I'm sorry for getting emotional. It's no, hard to it's, believe that. It's an emotional story. You know, you know, it happened way in 2004, but then when I think about it, like, and I was talking about it, and we've only discussed it with a handful of people, I get emotionally choked up every time. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's not because of what all happened. You know, him falling and everything, I think what chokes me up more than anything is knowing what God did and knowing that through him, through this process, he has revealed himself. And um, at that time in my life, my walk with God, my faith in God was not very strong. And um, I just, I know that. You know, he allowed all this to happen for many reasons and for many people, people that even have not even heard the story yet. Um, I know that he's allowed this to happen for all of that, but he's allowed this to happen to glorify himself and uh, for people's hearts to be touched. And to me, that's a very humbling experience to be in. And I'm grateful to God and my faith has grown immensely through it. What um, and so so was this the was this the thing that changed your relationship with God or or and so you were struggling at the time and and you know now clearly you're you're not struggling you you have a lot of faith and um, I I wonder what 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 helped with that transition was it this was it was it more this was certainly the beginning of it um. As I mentioned, you know, my faith was pretty weak. Um, I I would like to say that, you know, <laughs> I've had many opportunities in my life where God has revealed himself. He has saved me from so many things. And I would like to think that at each time that things have happened, that that would have been a big turning point that, you know, I would have never backslid or never turned my back on God, um, and I can't, I can say that this had a big impact on it, and it really did start my relationship to change with God, um, but yet I still backslid afterwards. Um, I still had moments where I doubted God's goodness and his faithfulness, and it really hasn't been until these past couple of years in the ministry that my husband and I are working on. Um, and being part of the prison ministry, that's when it's really begun to have the rubber meet the road. And my relationship with God has really become stronger. 
but you know, all these pieces have certainly been a part of it, like one big puzzle. <laughs> I think so it's. I think it's really natural to you know to to sometimes. I I think it's really easy for people to compare you know relationships in general and whether it's it's a relationship with you know your fellow human being or 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 god you know whatever that relationship is i i think we sometimes draw these parallels of you know this is this is how i'm received and how i interact and this is my my level of part- participation in different relationships and i think it's really easy to look at a relationship with with god and you know apply very human elements to that you know what i mean right oh yes most definitely most definitely you know my husband and i were just talking a little while ago you know preparing for this this um conversation with you and i wanted it to be really god honoring and you know um, it makes you wonder, you know, why does God allow some things to happen that we can't begin to really wrap our mind around, especially when they're sad and they're heartbreaking. But if we tell ourselves and we believe what the Bible says, and the Bible says God is love, then we have to believe that even through those circumstances, that love is still there. And um, that he's faithful. And, you know, there's a mystery to God and his ways are certainly above our ways. Um, but, you know, we have our human tendencies and um, I know I certainly have mine. <laughs> I, I think Dude. that's, I think that's more common than people think, you know, there is a, um, I'm struggling to think of his name right now. Um, oh, it's, it's Rabbi Harold Kushner. And so he is a, I think he's a reform rabbi. I think he's reform or or conservative rabbi in um, on the East Coast, and so he's an author. and And his son, I think, um, his son is an author as well. and um, And so he was a congregational rabbi. had a had a young son named Daniel. And so Daniel died very very young, and mm. Rab, Rabbi Kushner just could not understand and wrap his mind around the idea that his son was taken from him. And so he, he started this journey and started reflecting on the book of Job. And, oh, wow. and, and so he, you know, and, and so the book, I believe the book was titled when bad things happen to good people. And the thing is, is, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's often very difficult to, to live a, a life, um, especially one that, um, is visited with tragedy or death loss of any sort. Um, you know, some people have catastrophic, you know, occurrences and, and catastrophic lives and, and happenings. And and so you you deal with these things, you you live this life, and then there is this expectation of a relationship with a God. And and a lot of times people are, you know, people think, well, you know, you took this from me. This, this is, this is right. my life. This is, this is what I'm greeted with. This is my reward. And, and Rabbi Kushner said, um, you know, he, um, for his experience, he said, you know, I am a, I am a better man. I am a better father. I am a, yeah. a better rabbi. He said, everything in my life, um, benefited from this loss. And he, 
he said he said oh, yeah. the, the honest truth is i would return everything that happened because of this to have my son back and and he spent wow. a lot of time very angry and very torn and and very bitter and um you know and i and i don't know how he feels about it today i know right. that the the loss of a loved one is is devastating the loss of a oh, child yeah, sure. is is especially mm-hmm. devastating and and yeah. so you know I, I know that a lot of people especially um later in life um you know either either you know um go to religion turn to religion return to religion and into mm-hmm. a relationship with god in, in an attempt to reconcile the differences the misunderstandings um and so you know at this point in our conversation eric is five years old he's fallen down the stairs he has an abrasion yeah. and you know is is you know doesn't recognize everybody in the room what happened next mm. well like i said the paramedics were called and they arrived and they asked him a battery of questions and they evaluated him and it happened so quickly at that point because before I knew it, we were in the ambulance and I was riding up in front. And it was probably a very good thing I was because I was hysterical. It all seemed so surreal. And he was in such critical shape that the two paramedics that drove the ambulance, they both worked on him the entire time. They had to have the firefighter drive to the hospital. Um, and you know, that was even an eye opener for me because you really see the character of people when you're on the road (laughs) driving, but then when you're in an ambulance and it's, you know, trying to get to its destination as quickly as it can and people are in your way and they're not wanting to, you know, even, um, acknowledge that there's an ambulance coming and you're thinking, this is my child that's back there fighting for his life. You know, it really it even opens up your eyes more, and it makes me want to be, you know, a better human. But getting back to to the story, he went to Cardinal Glennon Hospital, and they whisked him in real quickly. And there was a lady that came to the door, a very nice lady, and she asked me right off the bat what my clergy preference was. That's when everything changed, because then I thought to myself, This is almost like being in a a movie or a TV show. You see these things on TV, and it's always like when it gets to that point, it's really, really bad. But that's a TV show. That's fantasy. But when you hear somebody ask you that, I was like, oh, my God, how bad is it? So I told her, you know, that it would be non-denominational. Um, pastor, um, but I would prefer, you know, someone who practiced the Christian faith, and I'm sure I didn't say it that eloquently, but anyway, this gentleman greeted me shortly afterwards, and he stayed with me during the whole time that they were working on Eric, and um, everything happened really quickly at the hospital, too, but there was a time when the emergency room doctor wanted to talk to me. And she asked me a bunch of questions. Well, all I could do was to tell her what my mom had told me 
And my stepdad had told me, and since no one witnessed the fall, we didn't know why he fell. But she told me that what I was telling her was very consistent to what they were seeing by examining Eric. And she told me at that point that she uh, felt confident that there was bleeding going on in his brain and that they were going to um, put him into a um, medically induced coma and that they were going to go ahead and do a CAT scan on his brain. And she told me, you know, I can't tell you much what we know now, but, you know, we are confident that it is bleeding on his brain. So I got to see him briefly before the x-ray. And when I saw him, he was strapped to this gurney. And he looked so tiny. Um, and it just really, really began to hit me. You know, because we didn't know what the test was going to show. And at that point, I was still the only one up at the hospital. My mom and my stepdad hadn't made it there yet. My husband was at home with our two other boys. And Eric's dad, um, he was headed up to the hospital as well. And during this time, like I said, you know, I got to see him. They took him for his test. And I spent quite a lot of time with this gentleman that, um, the pastor that was there. And there was even one moment where I'll address this later on in our phone conversation where he told me, now this is before they took Eric for his test. And I think even before I saw him when he was in the, the coma, that he was going to go see how Eric was doing and he would come back. Well, during the time that Eric was having his CAT scan done, um, you know, his dad, Tim, showed up and my mom and Rip showed up and um, Steve was still at home. And I had talked to Steve on the phone sometime during the course of conversation. This had to be, I would imagine, looking back on it, it had to be like when I was at the hospital, like on my cell phone, I called him. And I hadn't even had a chance to fully explain to him what had all happened because at that point we really didn't know what had all happened except for the fall. And then people from our church started showing up. The pastor and his wife showed up. And, you know, I didn't even know for sure how they had found out about it. And I still don't know to this day how they found out about it. But this pastor that was at the hospital with me, he spent quite a lot of time with us. And about an hour went by, and the emergency room doctor came back to talk to us. And she had this look on her face that just was kind of, I don't know how to even describe it. But she told us that they could find absolutely nothing wrong with Eric. Absolutely nothing wrong with him. And she said that they even had to have five adults hold him down while they took the breathing tube out of him because he had so much fight in him. And she said that they were weaning him off the medication and that she 
told me specifically that there was absolutely no medical explanation for what they had found. And what they had found is that he was completely fine. And that this went against everything that they had expected. And she told me specifically that it was a miracle. That there was no other explanation for it. And to hear an emergency room doctor tell me that, you know, was just mind-blowing because not just, you know, knowing that he was okay, but that, you know, for her to acknowledge that it was a miracle. Well, I later come to find out a few different things, and one of the things I found out is that my mom had talked to the emergency room doctor after this before we had even seen Eric. And the doctor told my mom that this is one of the worst head case traumas that they had ever seen in their hospital, at least up to that point. She told my mom that even though all you could see on the outside was the abrasion that was going on inside, they thought was catastrophic. And from what I remember her telling my mom, they weren't even expecting him to necessarily survive. And um, at the very least, if he would be in some kind of vegetative state. And I also found out, if I'm remembering this correctly, that he had actually stopped breathing in the ambulance. And, of course, they weren't going to tell me that, but they were, you know, in conversation with the emergency room the whole time during that ride to the hospital. So... For me, that really brought home how serious this had been. And they told me that they actually did a CAT scan on his entire body because they wanted to make sure that they covered all the bases and that they, you know, could tell us um, that there was nothing wrong with him. And I was just completely amazed. Everybody was completely amazed. Steve still was not at the hospital yet, but, um, you know, there's, there's parts to this story that God revealed to him during all this that I hadn't even found out until much later on. He actually had a vision during this time of seeing God's hand reach down and touch Eric's brain and to suction that blood off his brain. And one thing I can tell you though that Eric does remember is that when we finally got reunited with him in his hospital room he told us that his head never felt better he didn't remember the fall he did remember the sirens he didn't even remember how his head felt but he told us that his head never felt better you know it wasn't like he had recovered from a you know, a wound of some kind, and all of a sudden he's feeling better, or that he had been sick and he was feeling better, but that his head never felt better. And for me, that was the point that solidified it, you know, to know that he was aware at five years old that something had happened that made his head feel better than it ever had. So... They kept him overnight at the hospital, and the next day they did a, I believe they call it an EEG test, where they they wanted to monitor his brain. They just wanted to make sure that everything was fine before they sent him home. 
and they did that test and everything turned back fine. He did have to have an MRI done. That was only just to, as a follow-up thing. And during the MRI, they did find that he had a small fatty tumor. But they said that that was benign and that that had nothing to do with the fall. Um, you know, and he's never had any complications. He's never received any therapy afterwards because he's never needed to. Um, in fact, I think sometimes when God did what he did on Eric's brain, I think that he really healed him in more ways than just from that fall because Eric is just, he's a really unique individual. He's um, hes very philosophical and he thinks about things and he just... He is so different <laughs> from me and um, even his dad in a lot of ways. You know, he's just, he's very unique. And I've always felt that God has really placed a special calling on Eric's life. And, you know, he allowed all this to happen for a reason. And I really, truly believe that he allowed it to happen for him to be, not Eric, but God to be glorified through it. Do you think and, that um, do you think that this affected Eric's relationship with God at all? I hope it has. I certainly have used it to remind him at times where he's been struggling, you know, that um you know, to think about the fact that the maker of heaven and earth, God Almighty himself, touched your brain and healed you. You know. I mean, I guess it's kind of the mom leverage. <laughs> Yeah. But so you know, does, does he have a relationship with God? I believe he does. You know, I know he does know of God. I know that, you know, he he um he seems to, but it's hard when you're 22 and you know, you're caught between what the world tells you and you know, what you may believe in your heart. It's very hard. And you know, it was hard when I was 22, and I'm 51 now, and I can only imagine, you know, how hard it is now for people, especially young people. So, you know, sometimes I, I'm quite concerned about him, but, you know, I see especially, you know, as he's getting older and mature, that God's doing things in his life, and he's aware of that, and... um I think through that, seeing God in action, that's helping to make his faith stronger. Um, you know, we've, we have, like I said, shared this story with only a handful of people. There's more to the story about what happened afterwards, things that God revealed to Steve and I. Um, but through the story that we've shared, we've shared it at prison ministry and, um, you know, we've seen where people's hearts have been touched by it. And um, there was even one instance um, a few years ago where we shared the story. And there were two people that converted their lives to Jesus that day when they heard his story. And, you know, it's just, I really do know that God has done all this for a reason. Like I said, he's done this for people that, have not even heard the story yet and um, I'm excited I thank you immensely for giving me this opportunity to share the story and to share it in a safe way especially oh, yeah. during the coronavirus 
<laughs> I, well, I appreciate I appreciate you sharing it with us. You know, my um, my sister does um, my oldest sister does jail ministry, and um, oh, wow. in Michigan, and um, you know, and so you know when she was she you know she's like anybody else, and so when she was young, you know, twenty two years old, and and so when she was twenty two, she was she was wild, and and so she she was wild and free, and and. You know, just being twenty, and and oh, you know, yeah. in her thirties and and in her early forties, she was she was just an average woman doing what women do, what people do, and and just living a life. And um, she wasn't a bad person. She she, right. she she didn't have a relationship with God, and and so she was. Her situation, what what the what the opportunity was for her is that. She was in a business where she she interacted socially um, and very closely with a lot of people, and and a lot of the people that a lot of her clients were Christian. Wow! And um, and so over time, this this impression was made on her to to find a relationship with God, and and so mm-hmm. she you know over time eventually did, and and so initially it's it's like anybody else, um slow and tedious and difficult and, and untrusting and, and very wary and very, very quick to, to flee back to, you know, old ways, you know, things that are comfortable, things that are, that are a normal part of who oh, you yeah. are. And, oh, and so yeah. the, the eventual, eventuality came that she, um, you know, she was saved, she was redeemed, and, and, and she has this relationship with God now that, that is, is really amazing and inspiring. And so several years ago, she got the opportunity to go and share testimony at um, the, the Women's Correctional Center there where she lives. And, um, and so now wow. she, goes, she goes every week. And, you know, and so what wow. she, so what she, and I've not been there with her and, and, so what she does um, is I think she goes in and, and has a, you know, has a little ministry that, that she that she prepares and she shares her story and her experience and in her life. And because the women are able to find, you know, safety in her and, and some similarities and, and you know, and, and so, you know, and sadly, she, you know, she occasionally, I think, you know, runs across a woman who she either knows directly or, you know, maybe she knows their family, you know, whatever. And, and she sees some of these women who, you know, are, it's, this is the last stop and they're, they're about to go to prison and, and some of them go for a really long time. Um, some of them go home and, and, and so, you know, it's, it's been, it's been interesting to her to see, you know, Sometimes women who go home, um, you know, maintain this relationship with God and, and, and sometimes they don't and, and vice versa. You know, the, 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 the ones who, who end up going to prison sometimes for the rest of their lives. And, um, you know, I think it's, um, especially when you're, when you're in a really bad situation, you're, you know, someone is about to pass or, or potentially could pass Uh, or, you know, you're, you're potentially about to spend the, you know, the rest of your life in prison I think it's really normal to to flee to that that higher power that that parent source that 
source of safety and, and, and cling and, 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 you know, want to be released from, from what's going on. And it's also very interesting to, to see people, you know, continue in that relationship and, and share it with others. Um, so what do you, and, and so you guys have a ministry, you and Steven. And so what do you guys do? Well, we are part of a prison ministry, and, um, you know, my my story, I, I don't want to take away from Eric's healing miracle, but um, I was at one time in my life incarcerated, and, um, you know, I was making a whole lot of poor choices, and, um, you know, God, you would have thought this would have been a time in my life where I really, would have really given my life to God. And I was probably about the same age that Eric is now. But um, God, through his great mercy and grace, um, I was released early from jail. I was facing multiple felony counts. And, um, you know, through that opportunity later on in life, I've seen where he called me into prison ministry because I've been able to share my testimony with others. and. Um, where, you know, it's given me a greater empathy for those that are incarcerated. And there are so many people that are in their own prison that aren't even behind bars. So part of what my husband and I are doing now, because of the coronavirus, we haven't been able to go like we normally would. So we have our own ministry called I Am Free Ministries. Um, In particular, we have one called I Am Free Women's Ministries, and it's where I've gathered with a group of other women, other fellow believers, including my mom, and we are starting a a newsletter. We have an issue coming out this month called the Good Newsletter, and God has kind of turned that into a Bible study, so we hope to go ahead and actually send hard copies to people, which we're planning on doing the next day or two but also um, to send them out electronically as PDFs through emails where people can print them off and they can share them. I hope to even get this into the justice systems. Um, And it is basically sharing the good news, the good news about Jesus and how he came to set the captives free and how it's really true in a relationship with him, like what you're talking about, you know, and with your sister and, when we are facing things like that, you know, the only freedom we can really find in life is by having one with Jesus. I really, truly believe that. I wish I would have realized that a long time ago in my life, but I truly believe that with all my heart. And um, it's exciting. It's exciting to see what God is doing, how, you know, he plants seeds along the way and he allows us to even make choices, sometimes very poor choices, but that he can really take and make beautiful things from those ashes. And, um, you know, how he will, he'll glorify himself through it. He's going to glorify himself through it, or, you know, sometimes even when we're not involved or willing to let him do so. But when we acknowledge that he's doing that, you know, I really think that amazing things happen. And getting back to, you know, even what happened with Eric, 
I really do believe that he allowed all that to happen for him to be glorified through it. Not Eric, but God. And, um, you know, it's just amazing. It's amazing. And, you know, I don't, talking about, you know, like you're mentioning about that rabbi, why, you know, sometimes bad things happen to good people. You know, really, even Jesus says that none of us are good except the Father. But we can have good intentions. We can do good works. Um, you know, but, you know, it does make you wonder sometimes why things happen. And not everybody has an outcome like Eric had. Not everybody has an outcome like I had. Not everybody has the same outcome. And we certainly don't have the same story. But I think when we open ourselves up to seeing what God is doing in our lives, you know, um, we can see that he is good and he's faithful and he's true. And even though we may not understand why some traumatic things happen and why people may have catastrophic outcomes, we have to trust that God is who he, who he says he is. Things change in this world all the time, but God does not change. And if we say that God is love and he is merciful, then even in these catastrophic incidences, we have to see and believe that he is still loving and merciful. And um, his ways are above our ways. And, you know, it's amazing when you hear about these stories like these natural disasters. People say, you know, these acts of God. Where we see where, you know, maybe someone loses their home in a, a, a forest fire or a tornado comes through or flooding or whatever, we see how people come together. They pull together. They work together for a common goal, and that's to help each other out. And um, Steve shared something. He wrote this down while we started our course of conversation, and it, it says to strengthen our love towards one another and towards God. And I really do believe that, you know, I think about 9-11 and other things that have happened and how those things have traumatically impacted all of us in one way or another. But it's a time that God gets us to pull together. And, yeah. um, I think God definitely, you know, relation, you know people, people's relationships with God, I, I think definitely, absolutely brings them, brings them together and, and strengthens them and, and influences them to, you know, to make those changes in their life. You know, I, I have a lot of friends, um, you know, family members, friends who absolutely were, were headed in, in places that, you know, would have, would have not been good for them, you know, and, and, and some people, some of my friends and family have, have found themselves in, in very uncomfortable situations over the years. And, you know, and so this, you know, this, this, you know, occurrence, these events, whatever it is, um, have brought them to a relationship with God. And, um, I look at them today and sometimes it's, it's surprising. Sometimes I look at, at a friend or a family member and I think, who are you and, and what happened? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. there's this transformation of, of who they are and who they've become and, and so I, I, I and, and so as you're talking and, and we're, you know, we're going through the whole story and everything and, and 
you know, there's this uncertainty, you know, Eric is, is 22 and, and, you know, how does he feel? Where's he going and where will he end up? You know, I, I think right. from, I think from your line of thought that, you know, only God knows the answers to those questions. And the thing that, that occurs to me is I, I have to wonder this whole time if, you know, the, the relationship that you and Stephen have with God, the, the way you interact, the way you, you know, carry that message to anybody and everybody that, that is, is open to hearing it. I, do you think that that's going to, do, I, I would think that that would probably have an impression on him. And at some point I, I think, you know, it's kind of that mustard seed thing, you know, here I'm going to plant this little oh, mustard yeah. seed and, you know, exactly. I think the thing for me um, that, 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 that I think the thing that impresses me most in life with people is I really like when I, I, I love, I love when people are, are passionate about something. I love when right. something is the most important thing in their lives. And I, I, I and I, and I really like it to be left that way. I don't, um, I I don't, I don't ever want anyone to say, this is what you should do or, or anything like that. I don't want anything, no matter what it is, whether it's a relationship with God, whether it's, you know, a, a a brand of, of tires for my car or, you know, what audio equipment I should use. You know, I, I appreciate your passion and, you know, impress me with your life, with your passion. If, um, if you've got some great tires, put them on your car. And as I see, you know, the great job they do on your car, I might say, Hey, you know what? And you know, the thing with Christianity, and so I have, I have, I have friends and family who are, are Christians and, and, and some who are, um, alcoholics, you know, um, recovered alcoholics. And so, Kind of a parallel there is that you know I, I I had a family member who was a was a a raging alcoholic and um mm-hmm. and so found sobriety um and and, and recently celebrated thirty five years of sobriety and wow praise God that's and, amazing and so initially in that in that journey you know no one trusted there there was no relationship there was no confidence and. There was a lot of preaching. There was a lot of, hey, I've changed. I've done this. I've done that. And, and oh, things yeah. are going to be different. And the thing is, is those things fall on deaf ears. What what doesn't fall on deaf ears is action. And so exactly. once once we're able to see, <laughs> yeah, once we're able to see that this relationship with God is real to you and, and that you take it genuinely right. and you are, you are living the, these ways effectually, effectually, um, it becomes a little more safe, a little more obtainable. It it becomes something I think people yearn for, and 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 that that oh, will yeah. probably be the case with Eric, and and I guarantee you it will be the case with a lot of people that you and Stephen will meet over the years. You guys will, you will do the newsletters, you will you will do prayers. Um, you will interact with people, and they will consistently see that this is who these people are. And, you know, the thing is, is, um, you know, action, action inspires change. And so that, I think that's going to be a really interesting journey for you guys. And I already asked, and, and I agree with you. You know, there was somebody that said this a long time ago to me. And it's true. You know, sometimes we're the only Bible that somebody reads. 
you know, and, um, you know, if we believe in Christ and we accept him as our Lord and Savior, you know, we should want to have our thoughts and our actions directed towards him. And it even says in the Bible about we will be a peculiar people, you know, peculiar in a good way. And um, God, when he does things, from what I've seen in my own life, he does things that are so like, really? (laughs) You know, it has to be God, you know, Um, because that just doesn't seem like the so-called worldly norm for things to happen like that. And, you know, those are Godlink moments to me where you're just like, wow, I know that that had to be from you, you know? And um, it has been amazing. It's been amazing just the beginning of this journey. And I really do feel like we are just at the very tip of the iceberg on what God is going to do. And, um, you know, sometimes we find ourselves procrastinating and putting things off. Sometimes it comes out of, fear of like, can I really do this, you know, but then we have to remember who is the one that's really doing it, and then it's Jesus, and, um, you know, the things I share, the words I share, even doing this newsletter, I don't want it to be, oh, this is what Valerie says, or this is what Steve says, or this is what my mom says, or anybody else, I want this to be, this is what God says, this is what his word says to us. And, you know, I just feel very blessed to be a vessel for him. And um, through this, like, I'll just give you a quick example. When I first started the first um, issue of the Good Newsletter, okay, I had written something out. It was going to be the main message, and it ended up not being the main message. God gave me a whole different new main message to share. But then I read over the first main message he gave me, and it was like he wrote it and had me type it out to myself. It talked about, um, you know, a fear, fear of the unknown and how it's so hard sometimes to take leaps of faith and to make changes and um, how it's so easy to fall back into old habits. And one of my old habits is, Fear, you know, and fear comes from the enemy. He wants to, he wants to hold us down, and um, God wants to break those chains of strongholds. And you know, I, I agree. You know, like with Eric, you know, I just, I hope for his sake that his walk with God will get stronger and stronger. He has a beautiful girlfriend, and. You know, I see things happening in their lives, and I believe they're going to be together and have a family, and I think this is all part of it, too. You know, that, um, you know, this story needs to be shared for them, and, you know, it's just amazing. It's really amazing to see God moving, and I I appreciate having this opportunity to share all this. I really do, Robert. I think that... um... You know, I think whenever, whenever you, whenever you build or create, you know, there's, you know, and so this is, you know, this is kind of hokey, but you know, there's that, there's that foundation and, and, and then you, you build a, you build a frame and, 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 you know, part of building that foundation and that frame is, is strengthening and and reinforcing. And, and so, you know, when, when you were young, you were, you were kind of wayward and, and, you know, when, when, um, 
Eric had his accident, still a little wayward, and 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 you've had a few, right. um, you know, run-ins with with fleeing from a relationship with God um, over the years. You know, after that, and and so the thing is, is um, you you have to look at who you are today and where you are today and what it is you do um, in your life and in your community and your family, and 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 so it that that foundation and structure and and reinforcing becomes a little less hokey when you look at it that way and think that hey you know um i I think it's really easy especially as a parent or a friend or 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 someone who is concerned with someone or or the world at whole to say i wish this person had what i had and how do i give it to them and and be be, be be fearful and upset and and wondering are are they ever going to have it and 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 we don't know what what we do know is that through our actions through our behavior through our our relationships whatever those relationships may be we absolutely can impress change and and influence and you know and you hit it on the head earlier um it's it's really about being absolutely the most genuine and and honest person that you can be honest and true to yourself and to those around you um valerie i really appreciate you sharing your story today oh i really appreciate um the opportunity and there are more amazing things that have happened you know even with eric's story afterwards i mean i i have no doubt in my heart that um you know we encountered two angels that day and um Getting back real quick to the pastor that was with me. Um, he came up later on that day to see Eric, and he said that he had to come up and he had to see this miracle child. And, you know, I've written out part of Eric's story, but some of it is really hard to type out because how do you explain things that are hard to explain into words? make a very long story short along with that too he he told us about this book of miracles that he was going to write eric's name in and um um, we got to see the book of miracles steve and i did later on that evening sometime overnight i think it was into monday and that was really amazing to witness and to see eric's name written in this book um and then Eric's dad, um, Tim, he got to actually be with the, the pastor, what I believe is an angel, and he got to see him write Eric's name in this book of miracles. And um, later on, much many years later, Steve and I are both artists, and we donated some artwork to Cardinal Glennon Hospital. It was going to be for a fundraiser they had. And... Through this fundraiser, I had an opportunity to talk to the lady that was coordinating it, and I told her about Eric's story, and I told her why Cardinal Glennon was so important to us, and um, this takes a little bit of time, but Eric and I, well, I wanted Eric, if he could at all see his name in this book of miracles, I thought maybe we could go to the hospital and I could take a picture of it or something, and Steve and I made two trips to Cardinal Glennon. We ended up talking to the head chaplain, and there's a lot of mystery to the so-called Book of Miracles 
because according to her, now she wasn't there when Eric had his fall, but according to her, they've never had this so-called book of miracles in their hospital. And um, I really, I, I wonder very much about that, you know, how thin sometimes the veil is between heaven and earth. And I'm not trying to sound hokey here at all, but it just makes me wonder, you know, we know what we saw and there are heavenly books. And I just wonder about the mystery of God, what he allowed us to see, what this book of miracles really was that we saw, that we know we saw, that Eric's dad saw, and, um, you know, and who this man was. Um, my questions that this, um, this um, pastoral head had asked us, too, she asked us about the man that we spent time with. And even though she was not working at Cardinal Glennon at the time, she let us know that she did not know who this person even was. Um, I guess she knew enough knowledge about who these ministers were that were there, and they had visiting ministers, and that's what he even told us he was, that he had he was a visiting minister. So that makes me wonder at times, too, like when he told me he was going to go check on Eric, where did he go? <laughs> you know, what? how was he checking on him? There's just so many mysteries to this whole story. And, you know, if someone else had told me this, I might have thought, well, okay, that all sounds really amazing. And, um, you know, but did it all really happen? But, you know, I know in my heart that it all really happened. And I wasn't the only one that witnessed it. Steve witnessed it. Eric's dad witnessed it, and I even shared that with Eric after we found out about this book of miracles, you know, that no one had any knowledge of it. I thought, boy, okay, I'm going to share that with Eric, but what is he going to think now? <laughs> is he going to think, well, maybe that book of miracles didn't really exist, or what is he going to think? And it was complete opposite reaction. We were um, talking through Facebook Messenger at that time and he said, well, hold on mom, I want to send you something. And he sent me what his dad had typed out, I think the year before. And he had said in there about how he went with this man and he watched him write his name in this book of miracles. So for me, I was like, okay, thank you, Lord, that, you know, there was that confirmation there. And, um, just one other quick little part to the story, too. We met, Steve and I met another man at the hospital, and this was overnight. I cannot remember if this was before we saw the Book of Miracles or after we saw the Book of Miracles. And we met this man. He was polishing the brass outside the elevator, which to me was kind of strange that he was doing it overnight. Um, and I truly believe that he was an angel. I believe that he was an angel from the very beginning. Um, and I remember even remarking to him about that. But he he knew right off the bat that we were there because of a male child, her son. And he told us things that were very prophetic, even later on in Eric's life and how we needed 
to handle things with him, how we needed to treat him, and about Eric's character. But one thing he shared with me right at that moment, which kind of stopped me in my tracks, is he told me that I need to stop crying, that I need to start praising God for what he has done, and to stop crying because it was scaring Eric, and that I needed to be putting my focus on praising God for what he has done. And um, as you can hear, I still get emotionally choked up. I still cry. And um, even to this day, Eric does not like it when I cry. It scares him. He's told me that, but, you know, we're all human. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> makes, it, makes, it makes men uncomfortable to, to hear a woman cry. Yeah. So. I think because they don't know it makes you feel helpless in your, you know, and so the, you know, traditionally, um, you know, we, we, we think and we learn that, you know, the, the male role is the, the role of strength and leadership and, and all of these things. And, and that's not all, yeah, it's not necessarily always the case. And, right. you know, it, 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 sometimes I think it, it really just allows us to, to lord over people. Well, Valerie, you have an you have an amazing story, and so does Eric. And um, I would, and so we are at the point point in the show where I I ask you that final question. And so the the name of the podcast, as you know, is "Never Call Me Again." And and so considering that that Eric is really young and has a lot of story left um, to his life, and you and Stephen have this new ministry that you guys are in. I would, I would love to have you guys come back and talk to me again sometime. Would that be possible? Yes, most definitely. We would be honored to do so. You are a sweet, sweet man, and we love you, and uh, it would be an honor. It truly would. Well, I appreciate that. Valerie, thank you for your time today, and um, I will call you again soon. All right. Thank you, Robert. You take care. God be with you. You as well. Thank you so much, Valerie, and thank you so much to everyone who's listened today. We really appreciate it. If you would like to connect with either of us, go down into the show notes, leave us a voice message, and we would love to hear from you. If you would like to follow me on Instagram, I am Never Call Me Again podcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. Join us next time, this coming Monday, we will have an episode with Amelia Zachary, has a very inspiring story. Tune in.